Welcome to Volunteer Connection, the podcast for Girl Scout troop leaders. What's beautiful about Girl Scouts is that it takes girls outside of their comfort zones and encourages them to learn and grow and change the world. But Girl Scouts doesn't just do these great things for girls. It does the same things for the adults in the movement, too. This podcast is to celebrate those amazing adults, to share lessons learned, advice, and best practices, and to tell their stories. Okay, hey everyone, we're going to try this again. I recorded this episode earlier, okay, I tried to record this episode earlier this week. I sat down and I talked to myself for about an hour, and then when I went to edit the recording, I found that it only recorded the first nine minutes, so... We're going to try this again. Um, Anyway, also, I'm at home recording this, and my cat Huxley is being very needy. So if you can hear any meowing or purring, that would be Huxley. So he wants to be part of the podcast this week. Anyway, welcome to Cookie Cast Part 2. Last week, we talked about GSLE and some perspective about the program and why having that perspective is important. Um, so if you recall, we talked about the changes to the Girl Scout program after like a few decades of very little change to the badge lineup. Um, and that change up happened back in about 2009, I think, or so. And we also talked about how the Girl Scouts organization used research and analytics to come up with the current program, which is known as GSLE or the Girl Scout Leadership Experience. We covered the different focus points for all the Girl Scout activities, discover, connect, and take action, and the three methods that are critical to those activities, girl-led, cooperative learning, and learning by doing. We also talked about that Girl Scout activities also lead to five specific outcomes, a strong sense of self, positive values, seeking challenge, healthy relationships, and community problem solving. When Girl Scout programming follows these guidelines, then we get to the result, which is our movement's mission, building girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. Now, this is important to understand because all Girl Scout activities are meant to follow this formula, which has to include the cookie sale, which was originally meant to be a fundraiser and a primary revenue driver. But a fundraiser or driving revenue in itself does not meet the description of GSLE. So it's critical that in order to ensure that the cookie program is meeting its full potential for girls and adults involved in Girl Scouts, that we really emphasize the programmatic elements of the cookie sale. So without that core formula of GSLE, the cookie program can lose its luster, so to speak. It becomes just mundane, exhausting, frustrating, and frankly disappointing for both girls and adults. So the reason cookies are fun and fulfilling is because we're meeting the guidelines of GSLE. And if we're not, then both girls and adults alike are going to want to quit and not do it anymore. <clears throat> so... If you can relate to that feeling, then you really want to focus less on the rules and logistics and all of that and really get back to the basics and the perspective of what is the point of this and go back and listen to my last episode. (laughs) So as a quick way to blend the last episode into this one, today we're going to talk about the five skills girls learn as part of the cookie program and then some of the best practices that go along with each of those skills. So that's going to allow us to 
dive into some really specific best practices, um, vocabulary, tips, and strategies that you might be able to just start using with your troop right now. So let's start with the five skills. These are printed right on the cookie boxes. So I also assume that they are a key part of your cookie training at your council. They should be. So we won't spend like a ton of time on the skills themselves, but they are goal setting, decision making, money management, people skills, and business ethics. So for some of you, they might feel pretty self-explanatory, but we are all in different places when it comes to the Girl Scout program. Some listeners have been volunteering with troops since before they even rewrote GSLE. And some of us literally started troops in 2019. Like some people who are involved with this podcast or who listen to this podcast started their troops within the last couple weeks. So we're not going to make any assumptions here. I'm not assuming that just because you may have been a volunteer for more than a few weeks that you necessarily are the be all end all cookie expert. I think there's always so much more we can learn from each other. And depending on how old our girls are and where they are mentally and emotionally, And honestly, where we are mentally and emotionally as the volunteers and how things are going in our local areas, things change. And year over year, we can really focus on trying to slightly change things up or add something new or just check out how different things work for our group. So let's just explore these a little bit and talk about some tips, strategies, and best practices around these bad boys. Um, First, we have goal setting. So there are really so many things involved with goal setting that can be done as part of cookie season. And the main reason this is an important piece of the program is because we want girls to learn how to set and reach goals to succeed both individually and as part of a team. And um, we also want them to learn and see firsthand how setting goals actually helps you accomplish more than if you didn't have a goal at all. This is a skill set that is going to follow them in school, um, in their future jobs, and in, frankly, all parts of their life. So, individually, girls have two sort of main related goals that they can and should be setting. Each council has a reward lineup or an incentive lineup. Your council might call it something different, but girls earn individual rewards or incentives based on the number of boxes that they individually sell. This balances the fact that the troop amount is like a one-for-all number. So if you have a girl who sells 2,000 boxes and the rest of your troop is selling 100 boxes per girl or less, that top seller girl raised money for the whole troop, but she also sees individual rewards for her effort from like incentives or rewards. So these are usually printed on the back of the order card. And Actually, a lot of councils also have like a one or two page handout that outlines the whole reward lineup. Now, councils completely vary with their reward lineups. Some areas have a lot more Girl Scouts per square mile. Some areas have significantly smaller populations and some are way wider spread. (laughs) So like people are spread across huge areas of land, um, and so on and so forth. So what's normal for a girl to sell individually in each council is going to completely vary. Also, um, not only are the like tiers of rewards going to vary, but also councils individually pick the items that are the rewards themselves. So It's common for councils to usually have like a t-shirt, a stuffed animal, maybe um, a beach towel. I think those are really common in our council. 
Um, oftentimes there are techie items these days, like earbuds or even actually nicer headphones. Or as the girls sell at like higher and higher levels, they might even be able to earn iPads or laptops. There's also often outdoorsy things like telescopes or sleeping bags or whatever. And my council usually has like dry erase boards and plastic sunglasses and oh, journals, always journals. So as you get to the higher levels, there are usually programs and trip opportunities as well. Plus, girls are able to earn some form of money individually. Now, this is called something totally different depending on your council, but I've heard it called cookie dough, program credits, activity credits, cookie bucks, so on and so forth. But they all kind of work the same. Some councils are still using like paper money. It almost looks like monopoly money um, for this, but many councils have upgraded so they essentially provide like gift cards and this money can be used back to Girl Scouts for things through your council. So it could be like program registration or the council shop, um, summer camp, travel opportunities, uh, annual registration, you get the picture. But because this is done differently at every council, you can't use it for the online shop just yet. I do think one day that's going to come um, as everybody updates to gift cards, I think eventually they'll have a system that will work nationally, but either way, the girls in my troop will even sometimes choose to use their gift cards for their troop dues, um, troop dues, whether or not to charge them and how much is a completely different conversation for another day. So what is interesting about the individual incentives is that some of them do overlap, like the items themselves, from council to council, because the baker actually offers a themed incentive lineup each year. Um, there's two bakers, so there's ABC Bakery and Little Brownie. So let's back up and talk about this for a sec. Um, each council has either one baker or the other. Um, this is just a quick side tangent from the five skills, but in case you don't already know, this is kind of important. So each council has either one baker or the other, and it's not based on geography. Like, any council can belong to either baker, and most likely your council actually gets, like, approached um, probably every single year by whichever baker you don't have um, who's trying to, like, court them into switching. The main differences for us as volunteers really fall into, like, the flavor lineup and then the theme. So... There's a mascot each year, but it's different depending on which baker you have. And I think um, this year it's like Norwal for ABC and Clouded Leopards, I think, for Little Brownie Baker. And and then the flavor lineup is completely different from one baker to the other. So like even though both bakeries have a cookie called the Thin Mint, which is chocolate mint, um, and it has the same name no matter which baker you have, they're completely different recipes, so Thin Mints are not all created equal. <laughs> In fact, it's actually kind of fun, like, if you can get your hands on the other bakery flavor lineup to do a taste test with your troop and see which cookies they actually like better. So both bakeries have a Thin Mint. Both bakeries have a version of the Caramel Delight or Samoa. They call it something different. Um, then there's also, like, peanut butter patties versus tagalongs, uh, peanut butter sandwiches versus do shortbreads versus trefoils or trefoils <laughs> no matter how you say it somebody's gonna tell you some kid is gonna tell you you're saying it wrong trefoil or trefoil uh I always said trefoil growing up but 
when I worked for council, I think most people who worked with me called them trefoils and called the shape a trefoil. So I kind of call it that now, but my kids in my troop are divided on it anyways. And then there's two different s'mores cookies right now. Uh, ABC has like a chocolate covered s'mores cookie and then uh, Little Brownie has like a sandwich cookie. Um so they're actually completely different cookies, but they're both generally s'mores flavored. So, oh, and both co- bakers currently have a lemon cookie too, and they're also completely different. Um, ABC has lemonades, which are wildly popular in councils that don't have them. So like if you're in a little brownie council, then the volunteers who have been around a while who know lemonades, they are all crazy for lemonades and wish they had them. If you can find... If you like lemon cookies and you have Little Brownie as your baker, see if you can find, like, a link online um, from another a kid in another council and see if you can order some to have them shipped to you because if you like lemon, you'll, you'll want to try it. Little Brownie right now has Savannah Smiles, which are, like, a lemon cookie coated in powdered sugar, but it's been confirmed that 2019, this year, is the last year that these will be available, so I don't personally know what the new flavor is yet. It hasn't been officially announced, um, at least at the time that I'm recording this and posting this episode. Um, but I think I heard that they're planning to do the big reveal of the new flavor in like the summer, which is kind of interesting because like we all want to know ahead of time, of course, but um, you, you know, the media is going to get all the hype closer to the actual cookie sale. So it's just interesting. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know when we'll actually find out or if the big reveal is just a council. So we'll see. I actually don't know if council staff, they might already know the flavor. I really don't know. Um, Some people out there do. But anyway, both bakers have a gluten-free cookie also. So ABC just got the new flavor that everybody's talking about. It's like a caramel chocolate chip. And Little Brownie has had Toffee-tastics, which is like a rich buttery cookie for, I think, like five years now. That's crazy that it's been that long. But I think it's five years. Anyway. If you didn't know already know, that is the reason why some people got the new flavor, the caramel chocolate chip, and some people didn't. It just depends on the baker. But unfortunately, the media is really terrible about understanding the difference, and they like often misreport um, about the flavors and like what's available where. So this can be really, really frustrating for us um, volunteers, especially when speaking with customers who have been misinformed. Um, but... I suppose, depending on what the new little brownie flavor is next year, the same situation's gonna happen, but in reverse. So, luckily, both councils got s'mores at the same time, so even though they actually taste completely different, everyone at least had a new s'mores cookie. Okay, and finally, ABC has an extra flavor. Um, They carry one more, which is the Thanks A Lot, and it is basically a shortbread or, like, a trefoil cookie, a trefoil cookie, dipped in chocolate. And it's also, like, XXL-sized. It's delicious. So, it's actually, it tastes like the fudge stripe cookies, kind of. Anyway, there is no Little Brownie equivalent, which is very sad for me and for the rest of us in Little Brownie councils. But you can actually, (laughs) you can dip a trefoil in chocolate and get a similar effect. So, there's my cookie hack of the day for you. Um... 
Okay, this is interesting too. So councils pick a baker, but they also pick their cookie lineup from that baker. So councils don't have to carry all the flavors. They can choose not to carry like the gluten-free or specialty flavor. Um, a few years ago, actually, my council was what was called a super six council, which meant they only carried the main six flavors, no specialty. But honestly, combined, those two cookies are like maybe five to seven percent of all the sales. So it honestly wouldn't make a huge difference if we didn't carry them. Price is another thing that varies completely by council. So so does the amount that troops actually keep from the price. So, for example, like Middle Tennessee Council has the lowest prices of any council in the country. So their main flavors are only three dollars and fifty cents per package, even still. Most councils are four or five dollars for the primary flavors and then one dollar more for specialty. So the gluten free is always a specialty flavor. And for little brownie councils, the s'mores is also a specialty flavor because it is made with, I don't know, like all natural flavors or something. But anyway, those flavors cost more to make. So the product costs more. And also the amount that troops actually make off each package of cookies varies completely. So I've seen councils as low as like 46 cents per box, and I've seen them as high as about a dollar per box. Uh, some money goes back to the baker, of course, to cover the cost of the product. And the rest of the cost of the box stays all completely local to your council. So this pays like council salaries. It pays for camp properties and other facilities and building maintenance. It pays for some programs and it pays for the individual rewards or like incentive lineup that I was just talking about a few minutes ago. So if your council has a little bit lower amount that the troop actually earns, you probably have a lower cost per box to the customer and or you probably have a better rewards lineup. So you, I mean, you might have like better trips or like cooler items or maybe just girls earn the cooler items faster. Either way, also some councils offer an opportunity for girls to opt out completely of individual rewards in order for the troop to make more per package. This is usually an opportunity only for like older girls and it is definitely not available in every council, but older girls usually have bigger goals for their troops, which we'll talk about in a second. And also they're usually a lot less interested in or motivated by like plastic sunglasses and whiteboards and stuffed animals. So, okay. So the other piece of individual rewards that girls set is the actual package number that they're trying to earn. And this is partially based on the first one, what individual incentive the girl's trying to earn. Like, let's say she wants that giant stuffed elephant. So she's shooting for 150 packages or whatever it is at your council um and neither council is an elephant right now but I'm just using that as a random example anyway that might be part of how she sets her individual package goal and she might also just be trying to set a personal best so maybe she's just like well I sold 400 last year so this year I want to sell 450 or whatever um also there's group goals and this can look like a few different things and I'm really interested to talk about this actually because I think this is a good way to challenge the way you currently look at things or the way that you're trying to do things um just to think differently about the different kinds of group goals that your troop can set okay so I think most people and maybe because most councils probably talk about this in training materials but I think most people 
work with their goals to set one big goal, which is what they want their big outing to be at the end of the year after cookie season is over. And this is usually like a day trip or a weekend trip or maybe an overnight somewhere. And as the girls get older, maybe it's a little bit longer than one weekend. Let's say they decide they want to have a goal to go to an amusement park, which will cost like $250 per person to attend. Then you dial that back to how much does your troop earn per box. Let's just say a dollar because it's easy math. That's probably not true, but let's just use it as the example. Then each girl needs to sell at least 250 boxes or a per girl average of 250. So if one girl sells 500, two other girls can get away with only selling 125 because in the end, your per girl average or your PGA is still 250. So I'm going to dive into the budgeting side a little bit more when we talk about money management, which is another one of the five skills. But this is just showing an example of how I think most troops, or at least how newer troops, are setting their group goals. And also, I wanted to introduce you to that term in case it's not familiar, PGA or per girl average. But when my troop first started out, this is what we did. We brainstormed all together about ideas for a group goal. Then we voted on them to narrow them down, and then we would pick our top choice, which was like a grand goal, and then we also did a second choice, which was like a smaller goal. We ran into a few problems with this. So first of all, the girls only came up with ideas of places they'd already been. Um, we had mostly second and third graders in the beginning, so pretty young, and they came up with a great list of really fun places that they had already gone with their families or on field trips for school or whatever. None of them really had any idea what existed outside of what they'd already experienced. So for my co-leaders and me, this was kind of a letdown because we really want Girl Scouts to be a place where girls are experiencing new things and like new challenges and trying things they've never tried before and getting exposed to all kinds of new ideas. So we added our own things to the list, and that definitely helped, but the girls just had no idea what they were even really voting on outside of our best description or our best sales pitch on the places that they'd never been to. Second of all, we did not make our goal for our big grand idea. We almost doubled in size during our first cookie season, so even though the initial girls sold a PGA for what they voted on, we had girls that joined as late as the last week of cookie sales, and they obviously did not sell very many. So all in all, we couldn't afford for every girl to go, which again, we can talk more about in the money management portion, but this was very disappointing. And yes, okay, it's also a good lesson, I guess, which is that sometimes you set a goal and you don't make it, and that's why we made a backup goal, but... We had a whole troop of disappointed girls and, frankly, disappointed parents, and then we had to explain to them why the original goal we came up with wasn't feasible post-cookie season. Um, despite their efforts, and that's both girls and adults and their parents who put effort in, we were not going to be able to do it, and that made both the girls and their parents less excited or enthusiastic to participate in selling Girl Scout product, and that's fall product or cookies, the following year. So we actually have the opposite effect of what goal setting is supposed to set the girls up for. It actually taught them disappointment and frustration instead of like 
a sense of accomplishment and success. So it made them less interested in setting big goals for themselves and less interested in putting forth extra effort toward a goal when you can't like suspend your disbelief that it could one day be a reality for you. So that was just not how we wanted our first year of cookie sales to go and it was very disappointing for us. Then third of all, even if we subsidized it with families, like the troop will pay X amount and families will contribute however much is left over in order to participate in that activity that they voted on, we realized that it would still deplete basically all of our funds. So then if we had done that in the spring, like right after cookies, which we sell from in my council, we sell them from like late January to mid-March, then we would have virtually no money to do other activities starting back up again in the fall until we had cookie proceeds again. Which, that would affect not just meeting supplies and badges and patches, but it also affects our ability to do anything extra, like other field trips or other activities. So, we just kind of realized that this method of goal setting kind of has a lot of holes in it. So, there are a couple ways we implement goal setting as a group with my troop without it being just about setting, like, one big activity goal. And one way we do this is to set bite-sized goals, which... That is not officially what we call it. I just made that up right now, but it's kind of cute and catchy, so I think I'll stick with it. Bite-sized goals. Anyway, um, we do this most frequently at booths or on group walkabouts. Like One of the girls will notice that we have not sold a single trefoil or shortbread, for those of you with ABC. So the girls will make it a bite-sized goal to push the trefoils or the shortbreads. Um, they'll come up with slogans and pitches and they'll practice mentioning the flavor to every customer and they'll try to quantify it like let's try to sell all the trefoils on the table or let's try to sell a whole case of shortbreads um, and they also set goals like let's see if we can sell 100 boxes in the next hour or let's try to sell more than 30 donated packages and so on and so forth now as I'm sure you can relate, our girls are very service-oriented, and they have really, really big hearts. So one way we've deviated from the original goal-setting idea is to have them set one big philanthropy goal and then to brainstorm lots of smaller things that they want to do that are going to be more attainable throughout the year. So to start with the philanthropy goal, this is kind of what we've used instead of the big activity goal. Like, one year the girls wanted to support an animal shelter, and another year, they wanted to donate care packages and stuffed animals to kids in the hospital. And you get the picture. So the year we did the animal shelter, we actually chose to support a local dog and horse rescue, which, as you can imagine, was thrilling for the girls. And we asked what they were most in need of, which was blankets, towels, bleach, and laundry detergent. So we focused on those items. The girls did a blanket and towel drive. Um... Plus, we bought a bunch of bleach and laundry detergent and then some toys because that's more fun. And in total, we spent like $100 of troop funds and we were able to provide this rescue with more supplies than you can imagine. Well, okay, maybe you can imagine it if you've done something like this before, but we filled three trunks full of stuff and carpooled over and spent a day at the rescue where the owner of the rescue spent time with us, like showing us how to care for horses, talking about what you actually do when you run an animal rescue and they let us socialize some dogs and then they also let the girls name a whole litter of brand new puppies which was freaking adorable plus we were able to give them like 
more than a year's supply of bleach and laundry detergent and like just a ton of blankets, towels, and even toys. So that's just an example of a way that our girls set a goal of what they want to do that truly did not require them coming up with things that they had no way of knowing. Um, like no matter what they had or hadn't already experienced, coming up with a philanthropy goal is something girls can do. Also, literally no matter how many cookies we sell, like they're going to be able to fulfill that goal in some capacity. And plus, like with the animal rescue one, especially, we had an amazing day. So that just kind of became how we do things with our troop in general. Like what's the biggest, most amazing idea possible? And then how do we dial that back and do it for free or as nearly free as possible? And that has honestly made like a huge difference in how many things we're able to do and participate in. None of the kids in my troop have ever broken 400 packages, <laughs> and only three girls have ever sold more than 300, so as they get older, they do set higher and higher individual goals for themselves, and honestly, they just become better and better salespeople, but it just is what it is. Like, I could beat myself up about, are we doing enough booths? What other creative ways can we sell cookies? But as it is, every season, I personally work all but one or two of the booths every weekend of the whole season and several weekdays and I also have a full-time job and a social life so I can only do so much and at some point the other girls and their families have to do the rest themselves like half my troop or less sign up for online cookie websites to sell via email or direct link and I mean I can share that registration link until my fingers are blue and I can talk about it on repeat for six weeks but I can't make them do it and I can't do it for them so my girls are all under 13 they can't even set up websites themselves and just get the parent approval um they have to do it with their parents so yeah sometimes I get really envious of these troops that sell like 20,000 packages at a time and I just like drool over how much we could do with that kind of money but honestly our troop is extremely active with like a really high retention rate year to year like nearly a hundred percent and we have a waiting list of friends who don't currently like we can't currently serve them we don't have the capacity to just keep on growing at this point um, but these girls like want to join our troop just based on word of mouth. So we're obviously doing something right. And I'm not, I'm just saying, if your troop is not selling 2000 packages per girl, don't sweat it. You can still set awesome group goals and make them happen. There's this sort of thinking that's like short-term versus long-term goals. Short-term goals are like, what's the one big thing you want to do when cookie sales are over? Or even, what activities do we want to do next year? But long-term goals are important too, and they're honestly key to retention as girls get older. So, like, someday we want to earn a trip to Disneyland. Maybe if you live in a state nearby or somewhere in California, that's got potential in the next, like, two to three years, you know? Or we can look even further away, like, when we get to high school, we want to go to Europe. Some girls want to go to Paris, some girls London, some girls Rome. What if we were able to do all three of those places on like a grand European excursion or whatever it is? And like teaching girls to think long term like that with five or ten year plans that like make them excited and then talking about it year over year and progressing with your planning, like exactly where, when, doing what, what do we need to do to prepare for it and so on. Like that's huge and it gets girls just thrilled about the prospect of being a Girl Scout long term. We actually had girls who initially were like, 
oh gosh, can you imagine being a Girl Scout as a teenager? How embarrassing. So we have since made it a mission to talk excitedly about all the opportunities that await for teenage Girl Scouts. So now the girls like dream of rock climbing and whitewater rafting and traveling to other countries and earning their gold awards and so much more. Like a bunch of girls in my troop who are in fifth grade they already have ideas about what they want their gold award projects to be. Now, not all of them are going to make it to seniors or ambassadors, but even if they do, (laughs) they'll probably change their minds about their gold award idea, maybe even several times, but they're excited and they're enthusiastic. And when asked if they're going to return to cadets next year, they're all like 100% invested. Now, will that change over the summer? Um, Or will that change when they actually get to middle school? Like, will that change when they're involved in a million other clubs and sports at the middle school level? And they have to balance their priorities. I don't know. Time will tell. But they have to be excited about it in order to stay. In fact, I'm actually going to add an older girl retention episode to my list of future episodes to talk about because I'm very passionate about this. So speaking of all of that, let's talk about decision making because that feels (laughs) extremely relevant right now. So our girls would rather participate in one to two field trips and programs each month throughout the school year rather than one like enormous bank account depleting activity in the spring. So they're learning about wants versus needs and managing their money, which of course we'll talk about more in a bit also. And they're on board for that. So we use the badge work as like jumping off points where the girls get exposed to something and then we see what our group responds really enthusiastically towards. So we've learned they love science. So we ask like, what more can we do to support that? Where can they go to learn about science? What speakers can come talk to them? What kinds of science specifically are interesting to them? And so on and so forth. So when it comes to the decisions the girls in my troop are making it's more about what do you want to learn more about what did you like the most and why and that's how we choose what other field trips and activities we're going to do all throughout the year we don't currently have one big thing we look forward to although when i was a girl scout as a kid we took a big sixth grade trip and it meant so much to me it still means so much to me um so we've started to plant the seed about a sixth grade trip with my now fifth graders and that could look all kinds of different ways depending on the budget which they'll look at and decide for themselves but it's exciting so the girls also experience decision making with like bigger goals like that when it comes to ideas about a high school trip their high awards and more so for me decision making is really all about that girl-led piece it's not just about goals. It's about all aspects of the sale. The idea here is that we as adult volunteers are not spoon feeding the girls the program. They should be able to take ownership in what they're doing and why they're doing it and they're going to learn by doing which is another one of the key methods in GSLE. So yes, sometimes girl-led means girls picking all the badges, planning the meetings, and leading the meetings, but it doesn't have to mean that. Girl-led is really about girls making decisions, having a say in what they do, both big and small, and how that carries over into the rest of their lives. And it also means helping them differentiate between making good decisions and making bad decisions, and what the consequences are of making your own decisions, whether that's good or bad. So helping girls learn those skills is what girl-led is all about. 
it doesn't mean that the girls just do it all on their own and we're just there to make sure they don't light their hair on fire. We still like play a pivotal role in this and in guiding this. So if the girls want to like lead a badge or something, then that's perfectly fine. But in my troop's case, this just isn't always the way to go. There are times, depending on the subject matter and the girl, when girls want to share or lead an activity or a program but there are also many girls who would outright quit and have absolutely no interest in planning and leading a badge and that's okay of course i want girl scouts to be a safe space where girls get practice speaking in front of a group and making presentations but i also want girls to stay and i respect their decisions when they don't want to do that so somehow you have to balance that okay gosh i could probably do a whole episode just on girl-led in the future too but Let's bring it back to cookies specifically. Girls can and should have a say in the decisions around where and when they sell cookies, like how to market their sale and what to do with their earnings, and they should be making decisions about how to pitch their customers and trying out different pitches and seeing what works and what doesn't and learning why. They should be making decisions about how to set up their booths, everything from like how the table's set up to where exactly the table's set up, what signs to put up, and so on. If they're walking about, girls should choose which street to turn down and which doors to knock on. They should decide how many of each flavor to carry. You get the picture. So as they get older, rather than assigning them booth spots or working out booth schedules with their parents, girls should even have a say in which shifts they want to work. So as part of the cookie activity pin, girls should be making a list of their own friends and family they want to ask to buy cookies and like... That should not be provided to them. That should not be the parents doing it. That should be the girls deciding. Like, I could ask mom's hairdresser, not mom saying, ask my hairdresser. Or, like, even further, mom asking her hairdresser herself. Younger girls might need some prompting with this, or they might need some guidance. So you might need to make suggestions of the types of people she might ask and let her work off that. Girls can also share their lists with each other for, like, inspiration. So girl A might say, Debbie, that's my mom's hairdresser. And girl B would think, wow, my mom has a hairdresser. I should ask her. Girls can come up with creative places and ways to sell, too. So I recently had a conversation with one of the dads in my troop about creative places to take a wagon and go walk around. Um, So, like, some of the stuff we talked about was, like, the crowd of a parade or an event. If you're allowed to sell in that crowd, of course, check first. Um, car dealerships with permission, your office with permission, a busy public park or public parking garage, and again, like, double check this first. Um, But in this instance, this girl is super young, and she just joined Girl Scouts literally less than a month ago, but in most cases, girls should be coming up with those ideas and those lists herself. And at least this should be a conversation between her and her dad instead of me and her dad. Now her parents also wanted to check on some rules because they've never done this before either and they're just like amazed at how easy it is to sell cookies. In fact, this girl who literally joined in January 2019, she's currently the top seller in our troop and she literally just joined like when cookie season started, but especially a girl who's sold before. She can definitely come up with ideas of places she wants to take her cookie business, just like any entrepreneur. She should be writing her own scripts for her videos if she even wants to do a video. Um, If she wants to make a song parody, she should be picking the song. She should write the lyrics. She might need help 
depending on how old she is, but those should be her decisions. She can do it, and she's going to amaze you with how much she's capable of. And honestly, she'll be so much more invested in the program and the results if she is in charge of her own business. So that's what it means to be girl-led, and that's what's important about decision-making. Okay, so next is money management, and this is everything from developing a budget, calculating order totals, taking money, making change, and so on and so forth. And this is important because girls need to know how to handle money. Um, Everything from their lunch money to their allowance, and eventually someday their own paychecks. Now again, this is going to vary as girls get older, but here's some things that girls can do. They can track cookies they've sold during a booth by flavor. They can track total packages sold during a booth. They can total up customers' orders. They can calculate the change owed. They can count back customers' change. They can track their total cookies sold throughout the sale. They can track total donations either during a specific booth or walkabout or total throughout the sale as a whole. They can track what individual rewards or incentives they've earned as they earn them. They can track the number of hours they've spent selling cookies. They can calculate the percentages or ratios of cookies sold by flavor, either during a booth or walkabout, or the total for the wholesale. Um, And this could be individually to each girl or tracking for the whole troop, or both, and compare it. Like, Susie sells more Thin Mints than the troop on average, or Sally sells more Samoas than Thin Mints, but the troop sells more Thin Mints than Samoas. Um, Oh, or Caramel Delights, if you're ABC. (laughs) Girls can track the total number of cookies the troop has sold as a whole. Um, They may need to be provided this information, but they can track it together, especially in relation toward a big troop goal. They can compare their individual total sold this year compared to their individual total sold last year. They can compare their total sold at a booth this Saturday compared to last Saturday. They can compare their total sold at a booth on the weekend compared to a booth on a weekday. They can compare their total sold at Walmart compared to their total sold at a grocery store. They can compare their total sold on one street during a walkabout compared to another street. They can compare their total sold at a certain time of day compared to a different time of day, like lunchtime versus dinner time, or even like a meal time compared to a non-meal time. That was a lot of times to say total sold. (laughs) Okay, anyway, they can track how many people answer the door compared to how many doors go unanswered, especially according to the time of day. They can track how many packages per order and average them out. They can calculate the per girl average for the troop. They can brainstorm ways to push certain flavors and try out those tactics. They can brainstorm ways to target certain customer demographics and try out those tactics. They can brainstorm ways to sell more packages per order and try out those tactics. They can brainstorm ways to sell more donations and try out those tactics. They can brainstorm ways to increase the per-girl average of your troop. And through this, they can learn how averages work and how working as individuals influences the whole team. There's things they can do throughout the year, too, that are related to money management and their cookie sales, but aren't necessarily as specific to be done during the cookie sale. Like, they can figure out how much an event will cost per person and total for all the girls in the troop. They can figure out how many cookies the troop has to sell um, to earn enough money for that cost. They can figure out how many cookies each girl has to sell on average to earn the money for that cost. 
They can figure out how much money the troops spent in the past year on badges and patches. They can track how many badges and patches they earn. They can divide the total cost on badges and patches by the number of badges and patches earned to estimate how much it costs for the troop to earn each badge or patch on average. Um, They can project how many badges or patches they might earn in the next year. They can multiply that by how much it costs the troop on average to earn badges or patches. And they can figure out how much meeting supplies cost in the past year and then track how many troop meetings there were in the past year and then divide that to figure out how much meeting supplies cost per meeting on average. So therefore, they can project how many meetings there are going to be next year. They can multiply that average that they just calculated by how much it's going to cost in meeting supplies for next year, assuming the troop spends the same average amount on meeting supplies. To take that a step further, they can brainstorm ways to save money on meeting supplies, and they can brainstorm other ways to make money outside of selling cookies and fall product. They can brainstorm ways to solicit donations, like what might we get donated to our troop and who might be willing to donate that. They can brainstorm what other costs go into running a troop. They can brainstorm what other costs go into a program or a field trip or an activity besides just like the registration fee or the entry fee. Like with the sixth grade trip that I was talking about, um, one of the things I'm working on with my fifth graders as they have ideas of like, could we do this? Is like, okay, what would that cost? And not just like one of the things they want to do is they really want to stay in a hotel, which is adorable, but they really want to stay in a hotel. So, okay, what will it cost to do a trip to the hotel and not just the hotel nightly fee, right? Like what other costs will come up with doing a trip like that? To take that a step further, you can have them brainstorm ways to save money on those other costs. Um, And then they can write out a budget or itemized list of costs affiliated with the troop as a whole or for a specific field trip or activity. You can have them write out a wish list of programs or activities or specific supplies or items that would benefit the troop and then how much each of those things would cost. And then they can go through that list, that wish list, and determine their priorities, like what's most necessary and what's least important, and then like what do they want the most. And then consider both priority level and cost of items and come up with an understanding of how to decide what to purchase and when. Um, They can track actual expenses against a budget, and they can discuss the comparison, like did they spend less or more than expected and why, and what can they plan for in the future that they didn't foresee this time. So, for example, like, did something happen that made something cost unexpectedly more? And how can we account for this the next time we're planning something similar? How does this set you up for the remaining expenses you have left for the year? Like, if you spent significantly more than you anticipated on one thing, does that prevent you from affording something else? Are you more than halfway against your total budget for the year or for that program? And what expenses do you still have remaining? And so do you need to make adjustments accordingly? Or maybe you spent less than expected so far. So in that case, do you want to save the extra money for something in the future? Or do you want to use it to add something to the experience that you didn't anticipate getting to do or have? Girls can determine whether their troop should charge dues, and if so, how much. They can determine if the troop should cover the cost of uniforms or if that should be a personal expense for each family. They can compare different aspects of their finances from this year to last year, like did you make more or less or about the same compared to last year's fundraising? Did you spend more or less on badges, supplies, snacks, events, 
whatever. Did you end the year with more or less money saved in your checking account? And then you can discuss like what's more important to your troop, doing more and having more each year or saving more each year so in the future you can do something even bigger. Like this is a question that can and should be revisited often. So of course all of these ideas are going to completely vary depending on how big your troop is and what age group you have in your troop. So in our multi-level troop we talk about either really high level ideas related to this or really small bite-sized pieces like did you sell more or less than last year and even do you know how many cookies you sold last year or this year because it's shocking how many girls might not even know what they've sold. Um, because we have younger girls as a group we talk about things in simpler terms like this but we also have some fifth graders and they're starting to look at itemized budgets and understanding the costs of like not just the fun activities and field trips but also the other costs that go into like running a troop um i mentioned the the trip that they're trying to plan together and they're researching like what costs go into different ideas and then comparing the total cost versus the total benefit so like I mentioned, they want to stay in a hotel, and they've talked about wanting to go to the coast, which for us would be in a different state. So it would be less expensive for them to do something in-state, like camping at the Grand Canyon, and it would definitely be more expensive for them to stay in a hotel at the beach in California. But like, which one do they want more, and how do they prioritize cost versus benefit? Like, what ways can they work toward their goals? And then even further, like, practicing tracking their actual expenses against their projected budget and their actual savings against their goals. So as girls get into middle and high school, they can actually, like, manage your troop's finances. And just imagine if that was one less thing on your plate as a troop leader. And again, the girls being involved in managing their own money like this, talk about girl-led calling it math and asking them to do math on the spot with customers might be a turnoff for some girls but learning about money is so much more than just math and helping girls get comfortable with these skills is going to carry over into literally every aspect of their lives how many adults do you know that are not skilled at managing their own money and budgets in the ways that i just listed about your troop Maybe you personally are not even comfortable or confident in managing your money this well. I know for me, this is something that I've personally really prioritized in the past like four years or so, like getting really confident in understanding my own expenses, my own cash flow, and my own priorities and spending. I actually wrote my first personal budget for my own income and expenses literally like only four years ago. I'd been existing and functioning as a normal adult for years before that, receiving a regular paycheck, paying my house expenses, my car expenses, and so on and so forth without even really having a confident grasp on the money coming in versus the money going out. And as much as I knew how much money I was making each year compared to previous years, I was never confident in what I spent each year compared to previous years, especially like categorized. So I might brainstorm how to save money, but if I don't have a grasp on how much I'm spending and where, saving money is something you cannot quantify. So helping the girls practice these skills is not only helping them gain confidence in managing money very early in life, but it's also good for me as a volunteer supporting them because I know this stuff is important, but it's easy to just float through life hoping you have enough money in your account when the next bill is due, you know? 
hopefully you aren't all judging me now for my finances. I promise. I have been dutifully practicing and improving every year since I started making it a priority in my life. I just share this because I'm hoping that some of you might relate to it and understand that when I talk about ideas for working with your girls and your troop as a whole and why that matters, it in no way means only troop leaders who have finance all figured out in their personal lives can do this part of the program. We all can, and it's good for all of us to do. So if you're intimidated, maybe your co-leaders or a parent in your troop or someone in your community can come and help your troop learn and explore some of these topics. Okay, so one more thing about money management, and then I'm going to move on. It's a Girl Scouts rule that money for the troop is a one-for-all and all-for-one kind of thing. So individual incentives are the ways that girls are individually compensated for their personal efforts and contributions. That's how it's balanced out. But troop money is troop money, period. So even if you have one girl who sells 10 times as many as every other member of the troop, the money is shared evenly. You are not allowed to set a rule for a minimum number of cookies sold or a minimum number of booths worked or anything like that. And you can't penalize a girl for selling less than another. So you can't charge one family an event fee because they sold fewer cookies, while other girls who sold more than a certain amount go for free. To put it simply, this is against the rules because we are a nonprofit with very specific regulations and restrictions in place around selling and individual income. Also, for the same reason they can't reward girls as individuals with literal cash, they can only give individuals those program or activity credits or cookie bucks or whatever your council calls them. Girls who aren't part of troops earn that as money or something like that. They can't earn literal dollars as individuals because they are selling as part of the organization. I don't have all the legalese because I don't have a background in the legal part of this, but I just want to emphasize that in managing money as a troop, it's for the whole troop. Now, this gets a little stickier when it comes to multi-level troops because you're doing things sometimes as just individual levels. I would say the easiest thing here is to A, make sure that you're being ethical and honest and fair about how the money is being spent. B, make sure your girls and families are on the same page about how money is being spent. And C, make sure all girls, no matter what level they're in, have the opportunity to get just as much out of their Girl Scout experience with your troop as any other. So like, when we plan something just for 5th graders or just for juniors, we also plan something just for 2nd graders or just for brownies, and so on and so forth. Our girls and our families so far are all on board with this method of money management, and as the older girls in my troop work toward this 6th grade trip, they're going to have to brainstorm how they want to raise money outside of cookies and fall product to do so because that's troop money. So in our council, in order to do additional money earning activities, you have to participate in both fall and cookies and you have to get your money earning project approved and then you can do an additional fundraiser. So if they make a goal and they want to earn money for it, they'll have to do what it takes to make that happen. And then I'll leave it up to the girls to come up with like, what those extra fundraisers might look like and if the rest of the troop decides to participate to support them or not will be up to them as a whole group. This is just one method of doing this and I'm not saying it's the only way or even the right way but again I feel good about it because it's following our council rules while also making sure that the girls and the families all have buy-in and are in agreement. We are fully transparent with the families in our troop about money and finances and We've been lucky that we've just never had a problem with that in our troop, but when I worked for my Girl Scout Council in mediation, 
We had parents who would call in with concern about the way money was being managed in their daughter's troops all the time. So this is a big one for me. But I feel good about the way our troop does it, for example. Um, Also, if a girl is unable to attend something that we do as a whole troop, she doesn't get any kind of alternative or compensation. Our troop is so active that we have this language we, we use along the lines of like, bummer that you missed or are going to miss x y or z but don't worry we have so many more fun things coming up and there will be plenty of things you'll get to be a part of okay so next of the five skills is people skills as part of the cookie program girls are learning how to talk and listen to their customers and they're also learning how to work as a team with other girls this matters because it will help them in school like working on group projects and stuff or on sports teams or even on the playground and it's going to help them later in life um, at work and in the home. So this is like a relationship-oriented one, which I think is one of the most valuable parts of the program. It's harder to measure or quantify your success with this, but it's important that girls can make connections with other people, both with each other, like other girls in their troop, and also with complete strangers, like their customers in the cookie program. Um, and even other girls in other troops, but I'll talk more about inner troop relations in the last one, the business ethics, but let's focus on customers and how they work with their own troop mates first. So when it comes to working with their troop, part of this is how the dynamics work of working toward a larger goal. Like we all have this goal in common to make it happen and we all make certain agreements in order to work toward that goal. But it's also a lesson that life is not equal for all of us, and therefore we do not have equal opportunities to achieve the same results. Like, some girls just do not have the same support at home to sell cookies as others. Earlier, I told the story of our newest troop member, who is also, I think, the youngest in our troop, and she is our top seller this year. She literally joined right before cookies and has only attended two meetings so far, and she's just killing it in sales. Her dad was the one who was clarifying with me on some of the public places that it is or isn't okay to sell, and he's already also volunteered at one of our cookie booths so far this season. And her mom is equally as invested and has met up with me multiple times to turn in money and pick up more cookies. Her family is just like way, way invested and supportive of her cookie business. However, I have another girl who has never sold more than 50 packages any of the years she sold cookies. She's been selling since kindergarten and she's now in fifth grade. And last year, I was worried she wouldn't even sell enough to earn the participation patch. She has three households she shuffles between during the week which makes it hard to move inventory from house to house, and her family is not in a position to take on a lot of financial responsibility, so they aren't comfortable taking on inventory that they haven't already collected an order for, and all her parents and guardians in her life work at least one, if not more than one job, so they just aren't around a lot to take her door-to-door after school or on weekends. We, the troop leaders, have offered to pick her up and take her home so she can participate in booths, but her family has never once taken us up on that. So. I bring this up because she sells significantly fewer boxes than any other girl in our troop, and we don't even have a high-selling troop comparatively. Our per-girl average is very, very average, or even a little below average for our area, but this girl is not any less deserving than any other girl in our troop. If she was financially penalized, like with extra expenses throughout the year to compensate for her lack of cookies then she would literally not be able to be a Girl Scout. It's just not an option for her family. Like, she's so enthusiastic about cookies. She wants to sell, and she feels left out when she misses booth opportunities and, like, group walkabouts. 
and she's so proud of the few packages that she does sell. She knows all the cookie business trivia, and she participates in all the badge work and earns her cookie pin each year. She just doesn't put up the sales results. So the other girls in the troupe are financially carrying her when it comes to participation in events and activities. And I understand that that can feel unfair, especially if you are personally the parent of a super high-selling girl who is, like, pounding the pavement every day and who works booths all weekend and who is, like, a determined, enthusiastic go-getter when it comes to beating her own personal best year after year after year. It's hard when you, as the parent, put in all the work that goes into supporting a kid like that and then you have kids, even kids who aren't in as hard of a situation as the one I described a moment ago, who don't achieve the same sales. But it's just not the point of the program. Focusing on the skill building and the programmatic elements of the cookie program can really, really help with this too. You are a lot less likely to be frustrated and disappointed and resentful of the program if you can see all the kids making growth and progress in goal setting, decision making, money management and math skills, people skills, and the last one we'll talk about in a minute, business ethics. Even if you have girls who do evenly distribute booths and walkabout opportunities and are all contributing, not all booth sales are created equal either. Some booths might sell 150 packages in two hours, and others might sell 50 packages in the same amount of time. And some walkabouts might yield like 30 packages in two hours, and others might yield 10 packages in the same amount of time. It just completely varies. Some parts of your sale might be inundated with like rain or snow or ice or sleet or hail or crazy unbearable cold or whatever. And the girls who are scheduled for booth shifts during a snowstorm might sell significantly less or even have to cancel their booth altogether if there's no way to work through the weather that day. Different troops handle this situation completely differently, so you have to decide what's right for your troop. I've heard a lot of troops say that they track all the booth sales throughout their whole cookie season and then divide them evenly among all the girls. I've heard people say they track total hours worked per girl and total sold per hour and then divide that at the end of the season. Um, I personally divide sales evenly among girls per booth, but I track each booth as soon as it's over. So like if four girls work a shift, I divide total cookies sold that shift by those four. If one booth is busier than another, or if only two girls work one booth compared to four girls working another, it's just not going to be equal. And like, to me, that's okay. That's real life and that's real business. Plus, it's significantly easier for me to manage my money and my inventory if I can track it the right way, especially if we have multiple booths on the same day and like tons of moving parts. I explained to the girls and their families in my troop right from the beginning that this is how I was going to divide sales. Um, I also evenly divide any sales in my own personal network among all the girls in my troop because I don't have a daughter in my troop. So like if my coworker wants to buy four packages of cookies, of course I'm going to say yes and collect their money. But the way I keep the girl involved is I have my girls make thank you cards for those customers and I also track their sales evenly um, among all the girls in my troop. Toward the end, I use any of my sales to get girls to their next reward level. So if I have like two boxes to track and one girl's only two boxes away from the next reward level and one girl's like 50 away from the next reward level I'm gonna give them to the girl who's closer I don't sell that many myself so this is not like a large number of boxes we're talking like maybe 20 to 30 all season among like 12 to 15 girls depending on the year 
Um, but anyways, I set this expectation with my troop from the beginning, both girls and their families, and they're all on board. Um, now the girls think of this way of tracking as the right way because it's all they know and it feels fair to them. So even when they work a slow booth, they've voiced that it's fair to only get credit for what they've sold and not to share credit for other girls' busier booth shifts. And it's okay if they're disappointed that a booth was a little slower than they'd hoped, um, but they understand that lots of different factors go into each shift and might impact things. So like, right before the Super Bowl might be really busy, but shifts after the Super Bowl starts are gonna be a lot slower. Um, and bad weather might be a deterrent for customers to come shopping and so on and so forth. But these are just good lessons to learn in business. As far as working as a team, girls also work as a team actually at booths. So my personal recommendation, if you are a newer troop or if you are struggling with like booth behavior management is limit your booths to only two girls at a time, three max. Four is too many. Most councils have like a rule or a guideline that you should have two to four girls at a time, but I say two is best. Four girls means more complaining, climbing on walls, lack of focus, and just like not enough work for all four to be actively focused at the same time. Two girls sometimes get very busy, but they stay focused and on the ball for the whole booth shift. For my girls, two-hour shifts have always been good, even as young as kindergarten, but I know some troops prefer to do one-hour shifts for younger girls. I have a few girls who love booths, so they'll work four to six hours at a time with just a brief break for like bathroom water bottle refill or like a quick off-duty snack or meal depending on the time of day but for the most part my troop just does great with two-hour shifts each if we do have a four-hour booth we usually change girls out halfway um if we have a six-hour booth we switch out girls twice sometimes girls overlap in the middle like we might have 12 to 2, 2 to 4, and 4 to 6, but we might also have a girl who works like 3 to 5. You get the picture. As girls get older, they can definitely do longer shifts. I find for me as a volunteer who does basically all my truth bo troops booths, <laughs> I would rather do 6 to 8 hours either Saturday or Sunday and then not do a booth the other day rather than do 2 to 4 hours both days every weekend of the cookie sale. But... I always feel guilty taking a cookie weekend day off, so I always end up scheduling something both days anyway. Um, sometimes we do like group walkabouts instead of booths on one of the days of the weekend, and then we do like four to six hours the next day. I know a lot of much higher selling troops sell like six, eight, even ten hours or more, both Saturday and Sunday, every weekend of the sale. I would love to do that if I could get good spots. But I've never had luck getting that many good council scheduled booths, and the only self-scheduled booths I've done have been total flops. So I just haven't found good self-scheduled spots that work well for my troop yet. Okay, so at the actual booth, some troops really recommend assigning specific jobs, like girl A is the asker, girl B is the order taker and fulfiller, girl C handles the money, and girl D manages the inventory, like tracking sales and restocking the table. But for my troop, it works best if the girls just manage a customer transaction from beginning to end, and the girls like it better. They get to do a little bit of everything, and I just find that like seeking out specific jobs for girls makes tasks feel a lot bigger than they need to be. So the girls in my troop, they chose it. They have a, if I asked, it's my customer, 
role kind of thing where if they ask and a customer says yes, that girl gets to take the customer's order, fulfill it, calculate their total, take their money, calculate their change, and hand it back to them. They're responsible for their own upselling, flavor recommendations, and the whole customer interaction. And they do not appreciate it when other girls encroach on their sales and they want a chance to practice the whole thing for themselves. Also, in our council, it's a rule that girls aren't supposed to have the money on them personally, like only the adults do. So we don't use cash boxes. And for my troop, adults keep the cash on them in like aprons. A lot of adults in our council are using like money bags on their hip, like a fanny pack. But I like the apron because it has three pockets, so I can keep, like, fives in one, ones in the next, and then, like, the rest of the bills in the last pocket. It makes it super easy for me to find the change. <laughs> but we make the girl calculate their to- the customer's total and calculate their change, and then we also have the girl count the change back. So I've heard and seen in our council that as girls get older they do handle the money themselves like seniors and ambassadors wear the actual apron or whatever but since our girls are all k-5 that's most definitely not what we do and in fact i'm pretty sure it's a rule in our council my favorite part though of the people skills is watching girls grow and their confidence speaking to customers their volume their clarity their eye contact just going from like shy to bold and confident in a cookie season is amazing Even girls who've sold before often need, like, a little warm-up time at their first booth back, so I just love to watch them grow. Um, It's also so fun to watch them practice, like, different sales pitches and see what works and what doesn't. The girls in my troop love to practice ways to engage with customers specifically, like, especially because they only ask customers to buy cookies on the way out of the store but they want to make a good impression on the customer's way into the store. So they'll tell them, like, it's a nice day, or comment on the weather, or they'll, like, tell them they look nice, or they have great shoes, or whatever. It's just really cool to watch them come up with that stuff on their own. And as they get older, they become so much better salespeople. Like, everyone says the littlest girls sell the most because they're cute, and it is true that, like, the littlest girls can bop around with poster board and sing and kind of, like, shout a little bit and giggle, and everyone's just like, oh, so cute, here's my money. But when they're, like, 10 or 11 or even older, if they were to behave the exact same way, people would think they were annoying or obnoxious or out of control. So, Even though I still think my juniors are super cute, customers expect a whole other level of manners from them. And so not only do they deliver on the manners part, but they also blow their customers' minds with how well they can like speak to the different flavors and the Girl Scout program and why they're selling cookies and like how customers can donate and where their money goes and upsell. So when they upsell, especially with like a grin and a clear offer, Customers always compliment them. Even if they don't take them up on the upsell, they always comment on their futures and their careers and how well they're going to do in life. And that's just such a good thing for kids to hear. Even if the sale is like one box for four or five dollars or even no boxes, the more girls hear how well they're doing and how likely they are to succeed in the future, the more likely they are to succeed in the future. Okay, so last is business ethics. That's the fifth of the five skills. Basically, 
Girls should be honest and responsible during every step of the cookie sale. Their future employers want to hire ethical employees and the world needs ethical leaders in every single field. Plus, it's part of the Girl Scout law, which we are supposed to be living by and leading by example. (laughs) So that's the number one thing I have to say about business ethics as it pertains to the cookie sale, which is lead by example. Your girls are learning from you. There are times where it might be somewhat tempting to cut corners or to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. You know that saying, ask for forgiveness instead of permission? Some people even say this was like something Juliet Lowe lived by, but we just have to ask ourselves when it comes to skirting the rules or even just bending them when it comes to the cookie program, like What example are we setting for our girls? What are they learning from us? They look up to us and they want to follow our example. So what exactly are we teaching them? Or as they get older, they'll know better and they aren't stupid and they'll learn to either resent us or to be disappointed in us. I have heard so many adults or young alumni talk about how their troop leaders, quote unquote, weren't the best. That phrase always makes me sad because I just think about, like, if one day any of my girls would describe me that way. (sighs) Okay, I don't need to be perfect, and I make mistakes sometimes, and it's okay for the girls to know I make mistakes sometimes, but I always want them to think their troop leaders were great examples and, like, that we're adults they can trust and that they want to emulate. So, point is... Follow the rules and make sure the rules are clear for your girls and explain why we do things certain ways and why the rules are there. If it's appropriate in the circumstances, remind them of the lines in the Girl Scout promise and law that pertain to why it's important for us to follow that specific rule. Also, how do you react when someone else breaks a rule? So like if you see another troop or another troop leader bending or breaking a rule, what is your reaction? Because your girls are seeing your example in that way too. And so like on one hand, it's not okay if someone is putting girls in danger or putting our program and our organizational reputation at risk. But on the other hand, minding our own business literally is the best example we can set in most examples. So I would say use your judgment about whether it's something that you should ignore or whether it needs to be reported. And then if it does need to be reported, report it to the proper authority. So there might be someone or even a whole department in your council that you're supposed to report things to, or maybe it's specific to your area or your neighborhood or your community of Girl Scouts, whatever you call it, your service unit, and there's someone that you can report it to on your service team. Or maybe it's serious enough in some instances that you even feel compelled to call the police, like if someone is in danger. Okay, but don't call the police because someone showed up to the same storefront as you at your scheduled booth time. Duh. Don't get the managers of the store involved in any of your drama. Just report those kinds of issues to your council and try not to be involved in any altercations with other troops or other adults yourself because again, the girls are watching your every move. Just report it and move on. For the instance of multiple people showing up to the same booth, make sure you bring your documentation with you that proves you have a council approval to be there. And if you both have documentation and there's no way to distinguish who has more of like a right to be there, just report it and move on. There is no booth that is worth destroying the Girl Scout reputation over. There is no booth that is worth setting that example for your girls to get in a fight, especially physical, but verbal as well. 
over. It's just not worth it. It's okay to communicate with your girls about what the other volunteer or girls did wrong. Um, but it's also important to round that off with how girls can handle conflict in their own lives. At the end of the day, they are literally boxes of cookies. How much are you willing to let that ruin your day or your season or your year or your whole Girl Scout experience? How much are you willing to let that ruin your girl's day or season or year or their entire Girl Scout experience? You just have to measure that if 46 cents or 90 cents or whatever in between is worth your reaction to things. It's hard when we work hard to follow the rules and to do things ethically, and we know there are others who are not following the rules. That's hard. You can sell on eBay or Amazon or Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, but if you search any of those right now in your area, it is almost 100% guaranteed that somebody is breaking those rules. But that does not make it okay to do so, and it is not worth letting it derail you. The program is so much more than just those boxes of cookies and handling conflict and managing your own ethics and teaching your girls to handle their own ethics and how to manage conflict is so much more important than any number of cookie boxes. Again, if you have enough information to report, report it and then move on and manage your own self and your own business and help your girls learn the ethical way to do the same thing. In the real world, in business, there are plenty of people who aren't paying taxes, who break rules, who take advantage of customers, and sometimes that can be very frustrating for their more ethical competition. But which of those examples do we want our Girl Scouts to grow up to be part of? Like, of course we want them to be part of the ethical side. And we want to teach them why that is so much more important than making any amount of money. Teach them that there is no price you can put on ethics and personal responsibility. Teach them that now, while they're young, and lead by example on that. And then they'll grow up to be good people. And you just can't put a price on that. Okay, that is more than enough for today. There's so much more that I could share about actual best practices and how-tos and strategies for managing your cookie season, but we'll save it for a different episode. Next week, we're going to take a quick break from Cookie Cast, and we'll hear from another troop leader. But if you want to hear more about this topic, we can always talk more about it. Also, if you have specific best practices or strategies or anything you want to say about anything we've covered in this episode, hop into our Facebook group and share. Let's create a community there for leaders to have their own discussions about what works for their troops. I shared a lot about what my own troop does and why it may be different from what I know there are other troops doing out there, but that does not mean that my way is the right way for every single troop. There are so many ways troops do cookies, and so let's all share with each other so none of us have to recreate the wheel every time. And what we do create and what our girls do create, let's share with each other, because that's setting another great example for girls. So. Hop online, www.girlscoutpodcast.com, and you can find links to our Facebook page, which will lead you to the group, and also some other links, too. Leave us a review on Facebook or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening, wherever you're listening. (laughs) Let me know what you think so far and what your favorite episode has been. I'm honestly loving doing this podcast, and I'm just so glad you guys are listening. Also, If any of these episodes have been helpful or interesting, share it with your own Girl Scout networks. Help us get the word out so we can bring on more and more volunteers to share their experiences and tell their stories and the things they've learned and what they've accomplished so more and more people can just have another resource in being a Girl Scout leader. All right, 
that's all for now. Have a great week, everybody. That's all for today's episode. We want to tell your story, too. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, check us out at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.